Excuse us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 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 One, two. You need to <laughs> pick your Afro daddy. Alrighty then. Because it's flat on one side. You need to pick your Afro daddy. That's who that is. So come on and get with it. This is Intentional Talk Radio Network. It is time for In the Mix, Conversations with Colette and Corliss, and we've got a great show for you this afternoon. We've got Laval Bell, who's with us this afternoon from Noah's Ark Publishing Company, and he is going to bring us some information, news and views that you can use, and a brand new way of looking at how many kids we have, or man, how many kids you have. Or what happened with the abandoned family? So we've got a great show for you this afternoon. This is going to be a great conversation. And yes, I can't think of her name right now, but I love her singing. And I'm so glad that our engineer always brings those spicy, spicy things to the network. It's good to hear that music because music feeds the soul. And the things that we're going to talk about this afternoon, music feeds the soul. So let's get started. We've got a great show right here on ITRN Radio. We want to hear your comments. We want to hear your questions. We want you to join the show. You can join us at ITRNRadio.com or go to Zoom. We're on Zoom. You can also find us at 682-710-1101 for your comments and questions. That's 682-710-1101. So we've got a great show for you this afternoon. I'm going to bring in our guest because it's going to take the full hour to get all the information out and to talk to him about the book. Man, how many children do you really have? That's a very good question. A very good question. And I cannot wait to hear what he has to say. Laval Bell from Noah's Ark Publishing Company. I think he's having a little bit of technical issues here, but we're going to get him going in just a moment. Uh, Mr. Bell, are you hearing me? No, you can hear me, but I can't hear you. Okay. Okay, well, stand by, folks. Mr. Laval Bell does not have any audio so we will hold on for just a second would you ask him to please log off then log back in okay well we're going to keep this party going it's a hump day and one of the things that we do need to talk about one are the issues that surround the p p and peanut butter and jelly guy that was just unfortunately lost his life because of his bling. We've got to have a conversation about how these things continue to happen. This is absolutely ridiculous. Ramsey Lewis, who is a veteran in the jazz world, in the pianist world, he lost, he lost his life, but natural causes. He was 82, 86 years old. And the rapper that just passed, he was only 27. He was only 27 years old. 
Something has got to be done. We've got to stop this. This is happening in our community. And unfortunately, we no longer have communities. We have hoods. We've got to stop this. These are things that we can control and we're losing control. What would make someone think that they had the right to do that? What would make someone think that that was okay? And these things are happening all day, every day. I was just looking at something else in Chicago on the set of Chicago Fire. There was another shooting near the set. What is going on? This is absolutely crazy. All of these killings and shootings daily, these are things that I've never heard of before. And this is 2022. What? And people are acting like animals, beasts. The animals are more civilized than some people. And this has just gotten to be too much. It's got to get to a point where this is just, we've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. And then the very same people who do this want to scream about defund the police. Defund the police? How about defund you? This cannot continue to happen. We've got to make sense of this. And this right now, it doesn't make any sense. It just does not make any sense. And we're hearing this daily. We're hearing this daily. One of our our things is we bring you news and views that you can use. This isn't anything that you can use. Yes, we bring you news and views that you can use. We are talking to you, for you, with you, and about you. And this is not it. This is just not it. So we've got to stop. We've really got to stop. And we've got to do better. Mr. Bell's book is, man, how many children do you really have? The abandoned family. And we're we're looking to talk to him this afternoon. He's not back yet, but he will be back. He probably had to change computers or change something so that he can have audio. He could hear me, but we cannot hear him. He didn't have any audio. So I hope that he is able to get back on soon. So here he is coming on right now. So let's see if he has audio. Technology, technology, can't live with it and can't live without it. Okay. Are you there? Mr. Bell. Okay. I don't want to just, uh, Mr. Bell, are you, you're still not able to get audio. Okay. Still no audio. Okay. You are the show. So we definitely need you to have audio. Okay. And you're doing all the right things. Okay. You did log off and log back in. Okay. Try it now. Try Hello? it now. Oh, there you are. I don't hear you though. I can't you hear you. You can't. Yeah. Okay. You can't hear me. I, I can hear you now. Okay, there we go. There we go. Yeah, technology, I tell you. I tell you. Okay, well, it's glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Intentional Talk Radio Network. This is Conversations with Colette and Corliss. You are in the mix with us today. How are you? Good. Sorry for the, I don't know, technical difficulties. 
Yeah, technical difficulties. We never know when technical difficulties will will uh, show up, but they do. They do, and we just have to stick with it and and get things going. So we're glad to have you. We're really glad to have you. Thank so you. I've heard about Noah's Ark Publishing, and I didn't know about the Black Minds Matter. So tell us about that, and then let's get right into your book, which we're all very anxious to hear about. So tell us about Noah's Ark, Black Minds Matter, and then let's talk about your book. Well, first, thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate you and your audience and the work that you're doing. Of course, we met because of other authors that I published. My Black Minds Matter was an initiative that I started after we lost uh, the young man in Florida who was killed uh, with the jelly beans, I guess, uh, um, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. And after that, I just really felt that I could no longer sit on the sidelines and not become active. And so although we had Black Lives Matter, I thought that I would do something that would help the minds of African-American people and particularly youth. Our youth are very active, but I think they they would do better if they had an agenda. So it was my goal. My background is music. My mother had 10 children, nine boys and one girl. I'm the sixth child. I never knew who my natural father was. However, I found my divine father. And so with all those activities, I got started playing drums at 11. I never had any drum lessons. I played with all the pretty much Every great artist there is, except maybe Michael Jackson, but all the greats, Earth, Wayne, and Beth Miller, George Benson, blah, blah, blah. I've had the privilege of performing and being a musical director uh, for. So I thought I would lend my experiences and wisdom to some of our youth. People forget, I think, that are our age, that the Southern Conference and all those Martin Luther King activities in the 60s, they, they were young people. Sure, leading, they absolutely were, yes. Leading that charge. So... But they had older people guiding them, and I think that it would behoove us, African-American people in particular, that we, uh, you know, we also give some guidance to our youth. So I thought that would be a way. I provided scholarships for kids all around the United States, minimum $1,000 scholarships for school to incentivize their education, exposed them to music and arts. A lot of our youth don't know that most of the American music, like rock, jazz, blues, gospel, rap was started by people of color. Black people are the originators of music. So that's how I did that. My my um, goal was to uh, enlighten our youth and, and enhance the HBCUs. Noah's Art Publishing came about because uh, my first book, Your Gifts Are Not Your Purpose, was my first book. And I discovered while I was playing drums with Earth, Wind & Fire, I got this divine revelation that while I'm very gifted, my gifts are not my purpose. And I learned that my purpose is something else. For example, Nelson Mandela, he was a natural boxer. People don't know that he was a boxer, so he fought all his life. So his gifts as a boxer, a lawyer, helped facilitate his purpose to free Africans out of apartheid. The people whom oppressed him or put him in jail for 27 years, when he came out, he was the president over those very oppressors. So his gifts were not his purpose. And so uh, because I gained a lot of insight, that book sold pretty much a million books. My first book, Your Gifts Are Not Your Purpose, one million. 
and uh, out the gate, but it was over time. I learned a lot about intellectual property. Of course, I learned a lot about business, writing books, doing plays. And so in that regard, I find that I can be helpful to our community as well and others to help. Uh, every week I'm reading someone with a, that has a bad book contract, a bad, you know, you've heard about all the horrible record contracts. Oh, yes. Yes, well, it's yes. bad with books too. And that hasn't changed. I'm sure, so yeah. I was flying one day next to Carolyn, I think it was on here, my assistant. <laughs> and I got, you know, I got this vision to have a company called Noah's Art Publishing. I saw a vision of animals walking on, on a boat and those animals turned into people. And I got, I didn't come up with the name. It was kind of given to me. So that is a more of an assignment and the rest is history. My first client is, was Ernest Thomas of What's Happening. Oh. So we debuted my workbook. I came out with the workbook, Your Gifts Are Not Your Purpose. Uh, and, uh, your readers can find it on Amazon.com. Hint, hint. And, <laughs> and, uh, so we debuted my second book, which was a workbook, a, a work, uh, you know, sister book. My publishing company and his book at the same time in Beverly Hills. So that's a pretty good way to start off. There's, you got a big fat answer on all those questions. Well, that's, that's really good. I, I like that. And I, I like the fact that you said you entitled your book, Your Gifts Are Not Your Purpose, because we are taught mm-hmm. that our gifts are our purpose. Yeah. That's what we're taught. Yeah. We're taught that our gifts are our purpose. Right. And it didn't hit me until you said it, but you're absolutely right, because there are a lot of folks who are gifted but have not discovered their purpose. Yeah. I know quite a few of them. <laughs> They're gifted in specific areas, more mm-hmm. than one, but mm-hmm. don't know their purpose. Right. And they're two different worlds. Yes. They're two different worlds. Because your purpose in life is not necessarily the way or how you are gifted. Yeah, I found it very interesting. I, when the pandemic kicked in, I put together a book called um, uh, Kids uh, Journal Through COVID-19. Kids Journal. So I found a youth in every state in the United States and allowed them to share their story, how how the COVID pandemic in, impacted them. And so the child I found for who represented the state of Texas was Brianna. Uh, was, is it Brianna Carlin? Is that Brianna her? Taylor. No, not Brianna. Uh, George Floyd's daughter. What's her name, Carolyn? Oh, yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. So okay. she, his, his, yeah, the little girl. Yeah, she she submitted her story, and she wanted to write her own story. So she's in the book. Cicely Tyson uh, endorsed the book before we lost her. Uh, Tia and Tamara gave us a, uh, a forward. Uh, and uh, George Floyd's school teacher, um, actually gave us a quote on the book as well. Can you imagine when he was a little boy in the second grade, George Floyd said he wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. Get out of here. Did he not impact the justice system? Yes. So yes. That's what I mean by his purpose. Sometimes yes. you, know, you don't know what your purpose is. Lots you of the time. Even yes. He impacted. And you know, when that happened, I got gifts and donations from people all over the world for Black Minds Matter. People out in, in England, they would uh, 
they would write and just send us donations for because we give away thousand dollar scholarships to kids and, wow. and do a lot of things. And so yeah, you're. I think my brand is helping people find their gifts and their purpose. In short, I think gifts fall into three categories. I think you're born with a natural gift, like me. I was born to yeah. do music. Your talents are endless. You yes. can teach yourself how to sing, invest, play drums, write music, which is what I'm doing. Yes. And then your spiritual gift is used for whatever your divine purposes are. Yes. But these gifts line up and yes. they help you discover or facilitate why you were created. Yes. So your gifts are what you do. Your purpose is why you were created. Yeah. Why you created. And that's, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. Why you were created. Why the creator created you. Yes. That is so incredibly powerful. I'm not going to use that. I'd love to. I'm not going to use that. Of course, of course you're supposed to use it. Yes, that's, that's why. If you don't use it, I don't get credit for it. I mean, it's, that's it's, right. it's that's life-changing. Right. It's, it I is mean, life-changing. Every time I tell people that story, I share that your gifts are not your purpose, they go, what? And then they go by the book because, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I didn't know that because you're born with a natural gift. So, your natural gift is your entrepreneurial uh, skill. Sure. I mean, so why would you go get a job? You won't find the word job in the Bible. You'll find Job. You yeah, find job, it. but not job. Yeah, because wouldn't it make sense for you to uh, skill set or to learn, uh, empower your natural gift? Because it comes with, you're born with natural abilities. So wouldn't it be better to, to uh, incentivize or in, enforce that, right, instead of, going to get a job or doing something you really don't like. And by the way, when you have a job, you're only ex- ex- uh, extending or feeding or, or investing in somebody else's dream. Yes, absolutely. You're a thousand percent right. You are a thousand percent right. And you said that so well. And it's too bad. that. And as you're talking about it, I'm, I'm seeing things and hearing things. <laughs> and that is a message that needs to be shared worldwide especially in our community and as yeah. i say all the time we don't have communities anymore we have hoods so <laughs> it needs to be shared it needs to be not only discussed but talked about it needs to be out there that's something that folks really need to hear so let me ask you another question i love the title of your current book man <laughs> How did you really? Man, so many kids. How many yes. children do you really have? How many children do you really have? I was telling Carolyn that that made me think about, and I'm glad that you put that on the camera. It made me think about a show that Oprah Winfrey had. And she had about 30, 40 black men on. They were all black men. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them had multiple kids the most was a couple of two guys had 27 kids wow. yeah 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 you mean 27 yeah. kids alive breathing walking around seven kids alive breathing and walking around he didn't take not near care of not near one of them he said not near one of them not near <laughs> one but he nevertheless had 27 kids and i see that that's a problem yes two ways yes there's a problem two ways yeah. Okay, because the women, and I can't remember how many women 
bore these children for this knucklehead and yeah. they're just as much as a knucklehead as he is how dare you how dare you you know after eight you know <laughs> after four and you mean to tell me he didn't tell you that he had 13 he didn't tell you that he had 20 he didn't tell you he had 25 he didn't tell you he had 27 what are you talking about what are you talking about 27 kids the guy that had 17 kids as a matter of fact the two guys that had the 27 kids they spent some time in prison what are you doing mm. then the guy that had 17 kids he spent some time in jail he had three or four of his kids on the show with him and they all said you got 17 kids you don't have time for us so, no, I don't need to have a relationship with you. You haven't been in my life. I'm 30 years old. You don't need to be exactly. in my life. Yeah. Okay, no. And they all, the girls and the boys. In fact, I want to say there was one girl that said, eh, yeah, well, why not? You know, you're here. So that's all right. Okay. But after after 10, probably after five, they begin to say, what's the deal, dude? How are you going to have time for me? And you got 27 kids. Right. You know what? Really? And and I believe wholeheartedly that nobody is ever a mistake. Yes. God does not make mistakes. Really? God does not make mistakes. I'm not sure what that becomes. So, man, how many children do you really have? How did that come about? And I'm sure, Mr. Bell, you only have two kids. <laughs> no, I have more. I have six children. Okay. And I have, age 17. I, well, I don't have 17, but you know, I, there's a program called No Longer Bound. And I hope that Carolyn, you put the information of how people can get this book, Carolyn. Uh, the book, Man, How Many Children Do You Have? was a result of a program I had a, the privilege of attending. It's called No Longer Bound, the Urban Children the woman who runs that program is Tigra Little. And I was invited there to women who've either had an abortion or a miscarriage. She allows people um, to come to her program and confront their abortion. And they have a, they have like a service. They name the child, right? Because a lot of people are in pain. There are many, many circumstances around women who, and men, by the way, who experienced the dynamic of an abortion. For example, if I said to you, when I say the word abortion, you don't think about a man. Most people think about a woman, but you can't have an abortion, right? There wouldn't be an abortion dynamic if there wasn't a man present also being a part of the pregnancy, right? And so I think when I went to that program and saw that ceremonial service, it really got me thinking about the abortions that I was a part of in my life. And I felt really bad that one, the woman had to carry, if she did, have to carry the guilt if she didn't want to have the abortion. People have abortions for various circumstances. And I don't think there's one single reason I'm not here or my book is not surrounded by judging people, but I do want to incite dialogue. So when I attended that program, I went, man, I mean, the women who walk around with that kind of pain and guilt I remember one abortion I was a part of that, that, you know, my girlfriend at that time in my 20s was pregnant 
And I didn't go to the abortion clinic with her. You know, I, I dropped her off and, and left. You know, I didn't think of that. I didn't even think of the impact of leaving her there. But my goal is to, no one talk to me about fatherhood, love. A woman is a treasure. A woman is not, sex is not just a transaction, right? Um, relationships. There are other options besides abortion. There's marriage. There is, you know, there is uh, contraceptives. <laughs> there is, there's, uh, there is uh, um, being abstinent. I mean, abortion, I don't think, should be used as the first uh, birth control option. I mean, I again, had someone talked to me, I would have never had a book. Man, how many children do you really have? It's a play on words. How many children, how many natural children do you have? And then how many children do you have that have been aborted? I'll never forget E.J. Jackson of Jackson, of Jackson, Jackson Limousine. Limousine. Yes. I was a musical director. I was a drummer and musical director for Vesta Williams. I'm only telling oh, this story. Vesta. Okay. Yeah, I was her musical director. I'm only telling this story because E.J. talked about this. So I'm about 28, 29 years old. My first big gig in LA was with Vesta on the tour bus. Oh, okay. And Vesta, and EJ Jackson said, I've got, to your point, I think it was 18 kids. And I said, 18 kids? I thought he only had one. I didn't know EJ had that many kids. I didn't either. But he went on to talk. He counted his aborted children. Okay. Huh? I said, pick your lip up. I, I went. Oh, oh, gotcha. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said me. So I didn't get that when he said that then. But as I got older, when all oh, he's counting all of his aborted children, it's very funny how that if someone loses a child by um, a miscarriage, there's a ceremony, right? There's a service most of the time. But if someone loses a child or chooses to have an abortion, whatever your thoughts are, it's like, you know, you just had an abortion and that's kind of, that's it. And I don't believe that way anymore. I, I wish I had the information that I had now. I, I don't think our African American family will do well until the man is part of every conversation. We're not going to do good as a family or a village, right? Some people say hey, we, you know, we term our, you said hood, right? <laughs> village hood. Until we have the involvement of the black male in the home in every aspect, financially, <clears throat> physically, in all the details, I think that it's time that the male, <clears throat> excuse me, has have our part in this dialogue. For example, I know a lot of men who were with women who, and the woman had an abortion. She never told the male, the man that she was pregnant. So you he lost an opportunity to be a father some of them that was their only chance to be a father i don't think that's fair i think that she should have at least told him that now all circumstances are different hopefully you got some people who check in and ask questions i like asking answering questions too but they're just different dynamics and so i'm on the other side of the fence my i know people say well man doesn't have can't tell me what to do with my body that's true I don't think a man should tell a woman what to do with her body, but I also think a man has a right to have say about the seed from his body. You see, there's a seed. You can't have a pregnancy without the seed of his body. And so he should have some say. 
maybe not necessarily tell you what to do with the body, but don't close us, you know, out of the conversation. So I, I was trying to write it about five years ago and I couldn't get a title. And then one day after I attended, had a meeting with Tigra, I, I wrote, I put together her book too. And uh, I came up with the title, man, how many children do you really have? Meaning a lot of us don't take care of our natural children. As you know, the kids are a lot of kids out of wedlock. As you, to your point, you said the guy had 18 kids and he wasn't taking care of any of them. I'm talking about him with this title. Yes. I'm also talking about the man who has children who goes around and having impregnating women and walking away and was the woman hurt. Some women commit suicide as a result of abortion. Some women struggle with the rest of their life, the guilt, the pain. I write in my book, I build my entire music career on the backs of my unborn children. I really feel that way. So I put together this book to particularly address men and to give a man a chance. And every time I talk to a man, um, uh, my sister, they always go, man, they, they right away, they, they, they give me a story about an abortion every single time. Every man I've given this book to, they've got a story. Well, it's interesting. I, I think the title is really, wow. It, it, it can go anywhere. Yeah. And having said that, this is not about, this is more about your book than it is about abortions. Your book was written because of the things that you recognized at that time, at this time in your life. And I know that there are men that require that if their female companion or partner or girlfriend or wife or one night stand happens to become impregnated, they require that that person abort that child without hesitation, without hesitation. They don't even think twice about it. And I can't say that that comes at, at every age, but mm -hmm. I know for a fact that it is a factor for, for, unfortunately, quite a few people. When I teach a class, especially to high school students, one of the things that I teach in character development, in social emotional learning, in being mindful, is that the very first thing they have to think about is being mindful being mindful, one, in a critical fashion, two, in a spiritual fashion, three, in a wellness fashion. Don't go down that road that you don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's this huge thing called abstinence. Yes. Okay. And when I was a Healthy Start coordinator with LA, my principal came to me or my AP came to me and told me that I needed to distribute condoms mm -hmm. to our students and he brought me a basket that might have been I don't know two feet around or bigger it was big enough for me to get in it and he said you needed to pass these out I took them back to him and I said I'm not passing them out no I'm not doing that no and he said you have to it's part of your job I'm not doing it <laughs> and we went back and forth and I did not do it and there happened to be a young girl sitting in the front listening to us banter back and forth. 
about whether or not I was going to pass out these condoms. And the girl yelled over to her. She said, well, give me one. She said, I might as well use it since you passing it out. I'm going to use it. Hmm. So I turned to him and I said, see, had we been bantering about abstinence, maybe she would have thought about abstaining. Yes. But we're passing out things thinking that these kids are thinking this way mm-hmm. when we don't know what they're thinking about. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. We don't know what they're thinking about. So if we talk to them about yes. abstinence, maybe they'll get that. And one of the positions that I took, even with my own daughters, was abstinence and keeping them busy. Keeping them busy because as long as they're busy and they're becoming a greater person, they're not going to have time to deal with things that they don't know anything about. Well, they don't yeah, have time. Yeah, and to to your point, that's what I mean. Now, my first, my, your readers will read again, man, how many children do you really have is available on Amazon.com. To your point, my first abortion experience happened when I was 15 years old. 15. And I lived in the, in the projects at that time. I was born in St. Louis. We were so poor, we couldn't pay attention. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and no one ever talked to me about abstinence. No one ever talked to me. That's what I mean. Like, I, I, I praise what you just said because there are other options. That shouldn't be the, pass out a condom to, to youth. No. You introduce them to the, con- yeah. you're just introducing them to the concept that they probably exactly. never even thought about. Exactly. Exactly. So how about introducing them to some other options that will not negatively impact their life is what I'm saying. Had someone talked to me. So when the girl told me that I was like, wow, I mean, I, and the next thing I knew, maybe two weeks later, she said she'd gone and had an abortion. I didn't think anything of that. I was too young to really get the impact. But as time went on, I remember being on the road with a group one time and a young lady told me she had nine abortions. Nine. I said, oh my God, nine abortions. It's like, wow, nine. I was like, and you know, I'm a little older at that point, but I, I think that again, as I said earlier, there are other options. I didn't have a father in the home to talk to me about sex, abortion, love, right? Responsibility, education. I had to learn it the hard way. I want to have that. I want to give youth, particularly men who have gone down that road, made that option and maybe not want to. I want to catch children. Young. I have men writing me to give these to youth and organizations like yourself. Absolutely. This, this is the best. I don't know yes, how come yes. I have more people that don't look yes. like us buying this book. Do you know my first book release was for Orthodox Jews? Yes. What? This, I was in front of them. Orthodox Jews. And so it, so I don't know why my phone or people are not organizations like yours. Are I'll not tell you why. Them. I'll tell you why. One, because black folks don't read, unfortunately, because well, black folks don't read. We read what we want to read. Read what we want to read. And if it ain't on Facebook, if it ain't on that flat face phone, they're not going to read it. They're well, not going to read it. And... Black folks don't want you to tell them what to think, what to do. They don't want you to tell them about themselves. They don't want to hear that. I, okay. I agree. 
But I think it's more than that. I mean, I, the, the book is doing well. Sure. Black I'm folks sure don't want to talk about sexual addictions in those areas. We don't want to have that conversation. No, we want to go. We want to go and pull the wool over our eyes and put on the performance in church. That's what. That's what I've always experienced. And that's the, the issue. And one of the things that we have come to realize is that our people don't want to be told the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. Yes, that's why that's on true. our promo, it's we say it's time to tell the truth because yes. black folks don't want to hear the truth. They're running yes. from it. Yes. They're running from the truth. They're running from who they are and whose they are. Yes. They're, okay. Yeah. They're running yeah. from it because yeah. the truth hurts. Yeah. But the consequences of not knowing the truth hurt greater. Yes. Okay. But I can't, I can't tell you how many people, races, color, women, men have responded. I've never seen people respond. I've, this is my 10th book, by the way. Whoa. I've never seen people respond to a book like they have this one. It's, it incites, and when they hear the title, they don't know it's about abortion. But so I, this is about abortion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect oh, yeah. Timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. yeah I, that's what I'm saying. I never knew that. Perfect timing. I, I didn't. I didn't plan it. No, no. It's about abortion. Do you know in the African American neighborhood there are more abortion clinics than anywhere else? In the African, that's by design. Abortions is an, is another way to reduce our numbers. I believe the reason that people who don't look like us, I'll just say that, that they're concerned about the abortion issue because they're threatened by the numbers. You know, losing power. That's it. That's it. I agree. I agree. I agree, doctor. I agree. And the other thing that we also have to look at is we're doing so much damage to ourselves. We're doing so much damage to ourselves that the only thing they care about is that we keep doing the damage. Okay. That's what they care about. The propaganda machine is already in full effect. Yes. Yes, if it's already, you said this, you said it earlier, if it's already in the streets, I know, a way of life that when a woman, it was for me when I was in the streets, by the way, when a woman gets pregnant and you don't want it, she just goes, she just has an abortion. That's, yes. that's a way of life it's in the black life. community. That's yes. normal. Yes. And okay, so, but, but please remember, Planned Parenthood was created for the purpose of reducing black babies. Now, Please let understand me, that. That's right. Now let me let me tell you something that you don't know, and and my, nobody on this this broadcast will know this. My mother worked for Planned Parenthood in the '60s and in the '70s. She, my mother opened the very first child care center for teenage girls at LAUSD. Wow. But my mother worked for Planned Parenthood and she distributed a product called EMCO, E-M-K-O, EMCO. And that was a contrace- contraception. Okay. EMCO has not been around in uh, 50 years. Okay. But my mother worked with a woman by the name of Elizabeth Canfield, a white woman who lived in the valley. We lived in Altadena. And what my mother did 
was to go to all of the ghettos in L.A. County and distribute freely MCO. And MCO was a phone that mm. was in a in something like a tube, and it came with this syringe, and you just pull it up, put the foam inside, and then when the party starts, you insert it, and there goes the foam, and that is supposed to prevent pregnancy. It didn't, though. But Planned Parenthood at that time in the 60s yes. was to control the population. Yes, particularly okay. the black population. <laughs> I was getting there. Okay. <laughs> My mother's territory was Nickerson Gardens, Jordan mm. Downs, mm. Watts, all of South Central LA, the Barrio, uh, anywhere between, let's say, I don't know, Rosecrans and below on up to, uh, the 10 freeway. Mm. Okay. She didn't distribute anything like this product in Pasadena or Altadena where we live, but she, she distributed MCO in LA, mm. in LA all over because Planned Parenthood said, control the population, yes. control these babies that you're having out of wedlock. You're on the county. You can't support them. You've got multiple babies by multiple men. You've got all these things. Control the babies. You know what? You're going to lay down and get in that bed anyway. Control what you do and do it using MCO. And, wow. and, and that was Planned Parenthood. That was Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And Planned, Planned plan, Genetic warfare or population control is nothing new. But to okay. have more three out of this is statistics that I hear. Three out of if you're in the room with a black woman, three out of, three out of every four women have had an abortion. Wow. That does surprise. Yes. Three out of every four black women in a room has had an abortion. Now I'm going to say this. I'm going to make this clear. Every black woman didn't want to have an abortion. You don't know what the circumstances were. Like me, they could have had it out of ignorance, but the pain afterward, the guilt, the conviction when you learn. In in that program, No Longer Bound, with I, that I learned with Mrs. Little, who, who I did her book, when I connected my emotions with those children that I aborted, I made a list, before I even met her, of all the women that I had an abortion. I went back and did this on my own. And and I connected with them, those who I didn't cause harm to. And the stories that I write in my book, they told me one woman, she had two abortions twice by me, and I didn't even know it. I didn't know it. I never knew. Had I not reached out to her, I would have never known that. And so I think the stereotypes around, I were, let me let me say this. If you're a Bible reader, it was about when God spoke to Moses, he said, your name, you are from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. First, he wanted him to know that he came from somewhere. You are a man with a history. Why was he talking to Moses? He says, go to Pharaoh because Pharaoh was threatened by the babies, children, Herod in the New Testament, the baby Jesus, we got to kill Jesus because of the baby. It's always about the babies. <laughs> so our power is in our numbers. And so in Los Angeles, California, since I've been here over the last 30 years, I look around 
And I don't see black men driving trucks anymore in the bank. When I go to the doctor, I don't see black people, many working. I see other people working. I'm talking about African-Americans because it is a, I believe it's a concentrated effort to reduce our numbers. And to your point, yeah, it's, it's on every front, drugs, abortion, uh, killing, murder, uh, 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 ignorance you know uh the the absent father not in the home i mean i my goal for writing this book is to bring the man like myself and i'm putting my life on the line to bring us in the conversation and to have die to have dialogue that we do care when i see a black woman 16 17 18 19 20 25 years old and police throw them on the ground every black man ought to be angry Every black man should go. Every black man should. Every black man. Not just angry, but do something. As long as, as long as we call our women names, meaning you and your daughters, as long as we don't take care of our children, we don't. As long as we say, well, you get pregnant, go have an abortion, and we marry someone else who doesn't look like us, we're saying, black man, I'm not talking about the women, I'm talking about the black men, we're saying you're not valuable. Yes. And if you're, if you're not valuable to us, the black men, then you won't be valuable to other people right. either. That's right. That's absolutely right. And it's unfortunate that we have created a, so to speak, platform mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Because people talk about what's on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And what's on TikTok is male bashing female bashing they don't talk about anybody else but black men and women and i mean nothing else nobody else but they are they're saying some things that are just so completely and totally outrageous until i i i I, i'm shocked that tiktok allows it i really am because well they allow because we allow it because we allow it why are you airing your dirty, 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 nasty, stinking laundry on this platform that is not only worldwide, but it's universal? It's Be, everywhere. Because and everybody knows how you feel about black men and women, and you're black. Yeah. Stop. But Just to your it. but to your point, the propaganda has worked. Yes, it has. It, yes, it's it worked. Has. It works. We have a we have a battle on two fronts as African Americans. We have a battle to the white supremacists, or those who think little of us, and we have a battle with ourselves. And I say the greatest battle is not the the war, the fight on the outside; it's the one on the inside. Yes, it is. We have what I call an an identity holocaust. So, what is it with the abandoned family? Well, the abandoned family is self-explanatory. Number one, a kid like myself coming from a home with 10 children, nine boys and one girl, and I never saw a man in that house that I called dad. So, I don't know. What, let me answer that. Let me answer that. You asked the best question. Yeah. I never had a man to call father. I never saw, my mom never got married, Right. Do you know that there are black kids in America, in Los Angeles, who've never seen, I want you to listen to this, 
They've never seen a black man leave their home and go to work. Do you know, I'm going to say it again. There are kids who've never seen a black man leave home and go to, go to work. The abandoned family is the man when he has a child out of wedlock and doesn't take care of the children. That's the abandoned, you've abandoned the family. Abandoned family is when the woman goes to have an abortion and you don't take part in it. You don't give her option. That's an abandoned family. Even the children that I, that I lost in the abortion dynamic, I named those children. I have two families. I have a family on earth and I have the aborted children in heaven. So that's the abandoned family. When EJ Jackson said, I've got 18 kids, I said, 18 kids. He said, yeah, I've, I've had 17 or 16, whatever he said, I don't remember the number, abortions. And he counted those children. You didn't catch that part. No, so he I counted the aborted children. Yes. He only had, I think, one daughter, two kids. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. Did. I was like, yes. I didn't get it until I wrote this. I said, that's what he means. So he was man enough to say, no, yes. these are still, I, he's saying in his own way, if I could do that over again. Yes. I he grew to that. Again. He grew yeah. to that. Yeah. He grew to that. But I don't, so, I don't want our kids to grow to that. To your point, I don't want you to have to pass out condoms or whatever that you said, contraceptives. I want us to pass out information on character. Yes, Um, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Identity, who we are. So that's the abandoned family. I'm, my success is always threatened as long as my other brothers and sisters are not successful. Absolutely. I feel the same exact way. And it really begs to, again, inside. It really means people need to stop and think. And one of the things that I need to ask you, when you're talking about, and and I'm kind of on the fence, when you're talking about abortion, when I first heard about Roe v. Wade and, and being overturned and all of these things, don't take this personal because it isn't because I, I think you're the greatest. But I don't want middle-aged white men telling women what to do. That's not their place. They can't tell us what to do as countrymen. Don't come and tell anybody, especially a black woman, what she can and can't do with her body. You have no right no rhyme, no reason. You're not running the country the right way. You can't tell women what to do. Okay, that's how I feel about it. That's my personal feeling. Okay, the other is that as I listen to you, we need to we need to have at least a hundred more of you to go out into these communities and have this discussion with everybody because our families are not only abandoned, they're floating down the river no, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. Okay? I always talk about my students. I had a student at Crenshaw High School. Little girl, I'm not sure where she is right now. She was not a woman. She was a little girl. Mm-hmm. She came from Audubon, pregnant, mm-hmm. 13 years old. Mm-hmm. She had her baby in the ninth grade at 14 years old. 
she had no idea whatsoever how it happened. And when I described to her how it happened, the only thing she could say is, yeah. She and her mother were pregnant at the same time. She had her baby in February. Her mother had her baby in April. Hmm. I had to tell this little girl how to dress. She could not come to school in her mother's nightclub onesie. Hmm. She could not come to school wearing nightclub outfits. She had to cover herself. I would say to her, you're somebody's mother. Yeah. You're 14 years old and you're somebody's mother. This is not what I expect or what that baby expects. Laval, if you don't mind me calling you Laval. It's all right. I cannot tell you where she and her mother are today. My prayer is that she has learned that she has not had another baby. My prayer for her, for treasure, is that she has learned, although I would hate to say she probably hasn't learned simply because of her environment. Well, I agree with you 100% that a man, white, black, green, or blue, doesn't have the right to tell you or any woman what to do with her body. I'm in 100%, and I'm not saying that to be not making that political or you know uh, or political. I, I mean I mean that from my heart but I also believe that a woman does not have the right to tell the man he has no say I about, agree with you I about, agree. about the seed that's in her body because she can't she cannot you cannot be pregnant and tell the man he's got no say so about it at the end of the day you can make the decision but he should be in the conversation because remember you're carrying his first child. And by the way, when you say, when I say the abandoned family, you say that we're not only, we're aborting our families. We're, when we're having an abortion in the black community, community by the millions, we're aborting doctors, presidents, lawyers, kings. We're aborting them by the truckloads. That, that cannot be the answer. That cannot be the plan. Bodies, babies, seeds, however you want to um, determine the conception of a child. The con- concept, conception, the root word is concept. concept. The sure. thought of a child, the creator of the perpetuation of the family, was not designed to start a process in any woman's womb to kill it. No. Yeah, I don't want to be that. And And to your point... It's a tough job when you as a wonderful conscientious teacher and mother and mother of our communities, which you're still doing, thank God. Okay. But think about what you said. I don't know what happened to that young lady, but I knew another woman who walked around and she was raped by her brother. Her mother dropped her off in from Arkansas in Missouri. And I know she had this child and this child has made a difference in many people's lives and had this woman aborted that child you wouldn't be having that conversation that child is me that woman is my mom and so when you when you abort children if you don't have to you are aborting the answers to our future 
And I'm saying that that should not be, we can't say in one breath, oh, well, let's don't pass our contraceptives, but let's reach for abortion first. You can't do them both. It's, it's, and, it's, and it's not one or the other either. It's no, a combination it? of options. You can't tell a girl who's been raped by a father to have an abortion no matter what age she is. Not to have an abortion. I'm saying like, that's a little cuckoo. You know what I'm saying? But there are options. And I'm saying let's start the options early and let's allow, let's get the man. Every black man, particularly men I talk to, they all have pain around the abortion. Everyone I've spoken to guilt and they haven't had a chance to come talk about it. And I fear that if black women, I'm talking to you black women, <laughs> if you don't start allowing the man who wants to be helpful or who wants to learn into the conversation, well, we're just going to lose our whole family. We are. We are. And it's unfortunate that these things happen. And, and by the same token, it's unfortunate that mothers and fathers, and, and let me start by saying, I don't call girls women. It's a personal thing with me. I do not call anybody below uh, 30, 35 a woman mm-hmm. because it, it ain't body parts that create women. Mm-hmm. It's not the ability to lie down that creates women. Mm-hmm. The very same thing goes for men. It ain't about body parts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there comes a great deal of responsibility and the responsibility that we don't teach because we we call it just a natural act. Mm-hmm. We call laying down just a natural act. It's okay. And when we have shows and commentary and people having a discussion about it and and making it. Uh, it's, it's my, it's my choice. I can, I can say it. I can do it. I can, I can respond this way. It's free. This it's free. I can do it, whatever. They're never thinking about the level of responsibility that goes along with that. And that's what's so important. The level of responsibility is where we are lacking. That's how we get to the abandoned family. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the many ways or the, to your point, the consequences. Consequences. Unseen consequences down the road. I mean, many women, I know many women and men who struggle greatly with the guilt and the pain. I talk about in my book, I call it the the spirit of abortion. I think when you open up the doors for one abortion, you you open up the doors to make it easier to have other ones. And so... I don't want to perpetuate that type of thinking. If there are some options and way that we can change that trajectory, I'd like to be a part of it. Yes, absolutely. I do too. I lost and, you. I oh, you. Here, here we go. Here we go. And one of the things that I wanted to also ask you to do is please give our listening audience all your information. Well, I think Carolyn put it up, but the book, if they just remember that title, Man... How many children do you really have, right? The abandoned child. I think that they can just pretty much go on Amazon.com, Amazon.com. But you can find, you can go to my website, Noah's Art Publishing. Are you still there, Dr. Williams? No, okay, yeah. Yes, yes. So my website is Noah's Art Publishing. 
uh, com. They can go there. But my name, if you go with my name, everything comes up. Laval Bell, L-A-V-A-L, L is in love, L-A-V-A-L-B-E-L-L-E, pretty much all kind of stuff. I've had the fortune of having a wonderful life in music, writing books, publishing books, serving as a minister in our community. And so I just want to share that information and all the things I've learned, good and bad. I think all experiences can be a teaching moment. Absolutely. And they absolutely are. Well, it has certainly been a pleasure. And as you're talking, I need you to come back for part two. I have someone by the name of Mr. Edward Johnson, who is Dr. Real Deal Love. I think it would be a powerful conversation between you and Dr. Edward Johnson. And I really want to, as a matter of fact, I want to make that a two hour show. So I'm inviting you back with Dr. Edward Johnson, and I will let him know that the two of you need to have a conversation. We're going to make sure that your book gets out. Again, people, please contact Mr. Laval Bell of Noah's Ark Publishing Company, and that's Noah's Ark Publishing at gmail.com. You can get the book, No Longer Bound, and also, man, how many children do you really have? (laughs) so let's make sure that we get this and we get it good get it on the ball there's so much information out there so thank you again for being with us thank Thank you you so much much. and i will be in contact with you immediately because this is a conversation that we really really must have we've got to fix what's going on in our communities so thank thank you thank you again it's been a pleasure thank you for joining us and you have been listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network. This is Conversations with Colette and Corliss with our guest, Mr. Laval Bell from Noah's Ark Publishing and Black Minds Matter. Don't forget the book, Man, How Many Children Do You Really Have? And No Longer Bound. You can get all of those on Amazon. Join us again. This has been Intentional Talk Radio Network. Conversations with Colette and Corliss. And this is where we bring you news and views that you can use. And we have been talking to you, for you, with you, and about you. And it is always good. Join us on Sunday for more great shows. Thank you, Mr. Bell. Thank you. I look forward to speaking with you again. It's been great. I love the conversation. Talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good night, everyone. Be safe.